Greetings this morning to each of you. I guess it's resurrection morning, huh? I thought of sharing on that um, the other day when I remembered that it was Easter Sunday this morning. But I already had something else I was thinking to share, so I guess we'll go ahead with the original plan. Um, I guess maybe before we get started, maybe we'll have a word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Father, we thank you for your Son, the work done on the cross, all that he gave for us in that. Father, we pray that we would not take that for granted. We just pray, Father, that uh, as we think of that today, or that it would uh, move our hearts, it would change us, Father, to consider the death on the cross and the resurrection. Let's pray, Father, that you would help us to live in a way that would uh, show the world the power that is in the resurrected life. Just thank you for these things. Pray, Father, that you would bless the service. Jesus' name, amen. I think it was last week, uh, Earl talked out of 1 John, is that right? I think he started in chapter 3, and I had been planning to start in chapter 1, so hopefully we won't overlap our thoughts too much here. Um... I think maybe what I'll do is I'll just read through it to start with, first chapter and probably up through verse 11 of chapter 2. That which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that our joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, And we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word... 
In him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment, which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which things is true, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that he that saith he is in his in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness. I'm not sure. I think I'm at a misread that last verse. I'm going to read verse 10 again. He that loveth his brother abideth in light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he, go- <clears throat> whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Okay, so the title for the, the opening message here this morning is, Is Your Joy Full? It comes from uh, verse 4. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Um, I guess my plan here is just to kind of go down through verse by verse and uh, look at a few things in each verse. Some of these uh, can be a little bit confusing. Um, I think part of that is just the King James Version rather than uh, John intending it to be confusing, but... I was thinking about this morning, and as you read through it, it's like, if you don't have sin, it's a problem. But if you say you don't have sin, it's a problem. But if you have sin, it's a problem. It just on and on and on. And I was uh, hoping I can get it straight this morning as we go through here. Um, And then in in chapter 2, it's the same thing. I don't have a new commandment, but this is a new commandment. So hopefully we can understand John here a little bit better this morning. So starting in verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have seen, it's talking of Christ, the end of the verse there it says the word of life, which our hands have handled of the word of life. Verse 2 is also talking of Christ, for the life was manifested, that we have seen it and bear witness. So Christ is testifying. Uh, John is testifying to have seen Christ and and bearing witness of that. Christ had been with the Father before he came. He also mentions that in verse 2. In verse 3 he says it again. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. He had seen Christ, and he was here to uh, tell us about it. A question came to my mind when I was thinking about this. So why, why is he telling us about this? What is the reason for telling us? And it answers that then in verse 3. 
so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Fellowship uh, here is translated from the Greek word koinonia, which by definition gives the idea of a very close, even intimate connection with each other and with the Father. So keep that in mind. Uh, as we, I'm going to read over it again. Keep that in mind as we read here. That which you have seen and heard declare we unto you, so that you may have fellowship with us, that we may be closely connected to those, to them. And truly our fellowship is with the Father. Truly we have a close connection with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And he writes all this to encourage us so that our joy may be full. I was trying to think... Uh, maybe possibly drawing something on the board or some sort of a, a joy gauge or a joy meter of some sort. I, I didn't quite, I couldn't quite get my thoughts together on how to do that, but my question this morning in the title is, Your Joy Full? Where are we finding our joy at? It needs to be found in fellowship. Our joy needs to be based on the fact that we have a fellowship with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. I would venture to say that anything else probably should not be classified as joy. I think that would be appropriate. Is our joy full this morning? Are we finding joy in being very close and having an intimate connection with the Father and with Jesus Christ? number five this then is the message we have heard of him and declare unto you God is light and in him is no darkness at all Uh, that last little part there at all I thought was kind of interesting because if you think about going into a dark room turning on a light um, using a flashlight there's light there but yet there's also a lot of shadows as you look around the room Uh, but it it says here that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There's no shadows around, you know, behind the chair or whatever. It's, it's all light. Uh, that was kind of an interesting, uh, interesting thought there with the, the at all at the very end of that verse. There are no dark spots here or there. There's no shadows Okay, the next uh, few verses is some of those I was mentioning that can be a little confusing. Um, Well, maybe not quite yet, I guess. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship, if we say that we have that close connection with God, but yet walk in darkness, it's a lie, and we are not doing the truth, and we're not being truthful. If there is no darkness in God, and we want to have a, a uh, if we want to have close fellowship, a close intimate relationship with God, there cannot be any darkness within us either. If 
we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses, uh, cleanseth us from all sin. Beginning to verse 7, if we walk in the light, sorry, it's actually in the middle, we have fellowship one with another. Uh, the darkness causes problems with our fellowship amongst each other, too. It's something else to keep in mind. It's not just, a, it's not just an issue of our relationship with God, whether there's darkness in our life or not. But it also causes problems with our fellowship with each other. But if we walk in the light, just as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is probably one of the first... Uh, this first mention of sin here in these next few verses. There'll be several more times. And I looked it up to see, and it is it is all translated from the same Greek word. Um, but I think probably one way to explain it is going to be some places he's talking about a sin nature, and other places he's talking about, uh, I hesitate to how to say this exactly, but maybe you... It's not a habitual sinning, we'll put it that way. It's a, can you say an accidental sin? I'm not sure that's the right way to say that. Um, so his son cleanses us from all sin. <clears throat> might be jumping back and forth here as I go through this in, in an effort to try to shed some light on it. If we say that we have no sin, um, I think here would be one place where if we say that we have no sin, um, a good way to describe that would be if, we're, if we say that we haven't ever sinned or would make reference to not having had, uh, had a sin nature, you know, that which we received from Adam, I think, I think that would be a good way to look at this one. If we say that we have no sin... Um, we deceive ourselves. So we know that is the truth, that from Adam we have received that sin nature. If we confess our sins, and this one could be both, uh, both of them probably, but if, we, if we're going about our week and we fall in an area or we... Uh, um, speak unkindly to somebody that we shouldn't have. You can put anything in there. If we're going about our week and something of this nature happens, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I, I would um, explain it in that way in this verse because the... Uh, how do I say this? The average sinner out there in the world that has not uh, made his life right with God is not going to consider as he goes about his day whether he has done something he shouldn't have or not. And so it's clearly talking to us as believers that if something happens, if we sin, we need to confess it and he will forgive us our sins. 
And again in verse 10 it says, if we, have, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I doubt there's anyone in this room here that would probably say, or that would say, uh, well, since they were born again, they never sinned. And I think that's what he's referring to here. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there would be some people that would believe that. Is that what they call sinless perfection? Is that, I think that's the right terminology. To where once you're born again, you never sin again. Um, but if we say that, we make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. I don't know if that's any clear. Um, one of the key things to remember is that if we sin, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I'd say that's probably the key point to take from those couple of verses. Again, in chapter 2 there, verse 1, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Um, I thought of this. I know, actually, uh, Laverne reminded me that I'd used this definition in another message one time. But uh, Brother Denny's definitions from CBI sometimes come back to me as I'm reading over some of these words. And it says here at the end of verse 1, Jesus Christ the righteous. And I thought of his definition for righteousness, which is right standing and right living, conformity to the will of God and thought, purpose, and action. And uh, so we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, because he... lived in right standing and conformity to God because he was righteous. That's how we have an advocate with the Father. And so we are called to that same righteousness, conformity to the will of God. He is a propitiation for our sins not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Reminds me of the verse, I didn't write it down, but it reminds me of the verses, uh, I think it's in Colossians. It talks about not for the Jew only, but also for, uh, I know it says the Greek, I can't think of the rest of the, the names there in that verse right now, but he came for all, he came for everyone in the world, and he's willing to be that propitiation for their sins too, if they would choose that. Verse 3, hereby we do know that we keep, know him if we keep his commandments. Um, one of the places I was reading as I was preparing, used the word habitually. Um, 
Actually, it's verse 4 that uses the word keepeth. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments. Um, you often hear keepeth, uh, that E-T-H on the end there kind of gives the idea of continually. And somewhere I was reading it used the, used the word habitually, meaning that it is your habit to keep his commandments. Hereby we do know that we know him if we habitually keep his commandments. Out of habit, we are doing everything that he has commanded us to. He that saith, I know him, and habitually does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. The idea of the habitual keeping of his commandments, it's in contrast to the idea of well, if I remember to keep his commandments, I will, or uh, if I feel like it, I might. It's just part of us. It's, um, could you say, the lens through which we see or do things? It's keeping his commandments. Verse 5. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. Um, I think in him would be, we could tie that back to the fellowship we talked about in the first chapter. So if we keep his commandments, We can know that we have fellowship with him. There's one is another way that that could be said. Hereby we know that we are in him. Hereby we know that we have fellowship with him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Those of us that have have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, have a moral obligation to walk and conduct ourselves in the same way that he did. It's not really a choice anymore once you've accepted him as Lord and Savior. It's almost a a duty to live up to that. I don't mean that to to sound negative at all. You made the choice to follow him. You made the choice that you're going to uh, walk in his way when you accepted him as Lord and Savior. And now you need to live up to that. Um, Verse 7. Brethren, I write... Brethren, I write to you, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Maybe just stop here and say that I think as he's going through talking about this old commandment versus new commandment, um, 
think he's referring to the next several verses that will follow, verses uh, 9, 10, and 11. And it's talking about loving your brother. And so it's not a new commandment because that would have been the will of God from the beginning, right? That we would love one another. But then in verse 8, he starts out and says it's a new commandment. Still talking about the same thing. I think uh, let me just read what I wrote down here in my notes. I think what he's saying here is this commandment to love your brother. It hasn't changed from the beginning of the world, but it's new because of Christ. We are able to live it out. Prior to that, we would not have had the power to, of ourselves to live out this commandment. And the reason I would, I would suggest that is because it says here, which thing is true in him and in you. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you. And it's because of, because of Christ, because of him, that we are able to carry that commandment out. Uh, the last part of verse 8 there because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth it's gone into verse 9 I guess he that saith he is in the light and, <clears throat> and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. He that saith he is in the light. Those of us uh, professing to be in that constant fellowship with Christ, with God, if one of us would hate our brother, that sounds a little strong. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> if, uh, if we took a poll here, I would venture to guess that no one would raise their hand if they said they hated one of their brothers. Um, so sometimes I wonder if we can read over this and it just sort of goes right over our head a little bit because, well, of course not. I'd never say I'd hate my brother. But um, again, as I was reading and studying, I, I ran across this phrase. Okay, so remember here it says hateth. Um, so I'm going to put the word habitually in there. He that saith he is in the light and habitually hates his brother. I ran across this phrase that said, uh, 
works against his brother. Um, I don't know if that maybe makes it hit. <coughs> Sorry. I don't know if that makes it hit a little closer to home to us. Uh, to think of working against your brother or... Yeah, there could be a lot of things that could be put in there then that would be considered working against your brother. Talking behind someone's back is not uh, showing love to your brother. Um, yeah, I didn't make a list, but I'm sure there's a whole list we could put in there. He that saith he is in the light and habitually works against his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Uh, verse 10 there, I'd like to make a connect, connection back to uh, chapter 1. Verse 5, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And we talked about the fellowship or that close connection with God. Um, hating your brother would be considered darkness. And so if there is any of that in us, uh, that ruins that fellowship that we have with God, that close connection we have. It also ruins that close connection we can have with each other if there is things that are standing between us as brothers. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness, darkness hath blinded his eyes. One who hates his brother is in Spiritual darkness. Uh, habitually hates his brother, is in darkness, and walketh in darkness. And knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Okay, that's all the further I wanted to go. But I might just back up and end on a little better note than the verses about hating your brother. Um... Just remember that our joy needs to be found in that close connection with God, that intimate relationship with God. And over the next, um, I don't know how many verses it was, 10, 12, 15 verses, it's essentially talking about that same, uh, that same thing still things that interfere with that fellowship, things that uh, mess up that fellowship with our brothers, um, living in darkness. So let's, uh, let's ponder these things. Let's take a, uh, take a test of what we are finding our joy in, if it's found in that relationship with Christ or if it's found in other things. If it's found in other things, 
I don't know what we call it then, but it shouldn't be called joy. So that's all I have this morning. God bless.